Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles Podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this special edition of Exam Room Rambles. So what makes this special? Well, number one, it's my first equine horse podcast, and I love horses. And it's the first podcast that I'm doing as a listener question. So thank you, Sarah from Marshall, Minnesota, for asking me this question and encouraging me to do a podcast on it. So today we are going to talk about spring turnout tips, which is basically what you need to know to safely turn your horse out on grass. Now, if you're a cat and dog person and you don't have horses or don't have cattle or other hoop animals, you're probably thinking, what's the big deal? Horses eat grass. Hey, what's the difference? Why does this matter? They're made to eat grass. Hay burners. That's, of course, what every husband calls horses if their wife is a horse person. Okay, so why do we have to be careful about this? Because we're not just feeding horses. We're actually feeding the bacteria that live inside their gut. I know you all thought you just had pet horses, but it turns out you have pet bacteria too. And they're hungry little boogers and they're very picky about what they eat. So when horse diets change quickly from dry, mature grass that was put up and stored all winter long or for months at a time, and then you feed them fresh baby grass that is just an inch out of the ground, They are totally different things, totally different carbohydrate and protein makeups. And really, what bacteria like to eat the most is carbohydrates. And you'd think that carbohydrate, starch, fiber, that they were all just kind of the same thing, but they're not. There's a gazillion different types of fiber. There's lots of different types of starches, too. So when I say carbohydrate, I actually mean a pretty broad topic. Now, in this podcast, I am going to talk a little more specifically about some certain carbohydrates like fructans because they are especially bad behaved carbohydrate. When a new carbohydrate source is introduced to the bacteria, some bacteria that really like that carbohydrate and thrive off it, their populations are going to go up and it could possibly suppress other bacteria. There's only so much room in the GI tract. There's only so much resources for this population to live in balance. So as some bacteria die off, they release components of their cell walls called endotoxins. And those endotoxins get absorbed into the bloodstream of the horse and they affect circulation throughout the body. And one specific spot that they affect circulation that can be devastating is in the hoof. We call this laminitis. Lamina are the little finger-like projections that hold the hoof wall, the hard, horny, fingernail-like layer to the inside sensitive tissue, just to simplify it for any non-horse people listening. And this is devastating. We've all heard the old saying, no hoof, no horse. And so we have to keep this lamina healthy. The layman's term for laminitis is founder. So there are acute versions of founder where they are fine in the morning and by afternoon they are so lame and in so much pain that they can't walk. And then there's also a chronic form of laminitis, which is slow and smoldering and just nags at the horse's comfort and can get progressively worse with time. 
Now, the rapid food or carbohydrate change can also put a horse at risk for colic, but honestly, I've never seen a colic from a horse going from hay to green grass in the spring or vice versa in the fall. I have seen some fall colics that have to do with them not drinking as well. So the good news is not every horse is destined to have this laminitis, not going to have problems transitioning. In fact, I have only had one horse in um, my lifetime of owning lots and lots of horses ever have a problem, and that was a pony with an underlying health issue. So if you have a young, healthy horse with no history of problems, no other diseases, I am going to have a recommendation for you on how I turn these horses out to pasture slowly over a few days. But if you have a horse that is over the age of 10, overweight, you suspect would have an underlying disease like Cushing's or metabolic syndrome, which is an insulin-resistant type metabolic syndrome, or if your horse has had any other chronic hoof issues like thrush, navicular disease, intermittent lameness of unknown origin, I do think you need to be very careful. Though it's pretty well documented that carbohydrate metabolism and insulin response by the horse definitely plays a role in Cushing's and metabolic syndrome, there are quite a few out there that do believe it has a role in caudal heel syndrome, previously known as navicular, and things like chronic thrush, which all play a role in that caudal heel pain. We'll cover that in a different podcast. So things that aren't really about your horse that you need to consider is the type of pasture you have. Now, this podcast is very local specific, meaning we are in southwest Minnesota and how we turn horses out onto our predominantly cool season grass pastures, perennial pastures, may be totally different than how they do it in other parts of the United States. So if you're listening from outside the area, you need to talk to someone local. So there are two broad categories of grasses cool season and warm season. Cool season is what we mainly have up north, and as it would imply, this grass likes to grow rapidly during cool weather. Its favorite temperature is 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. It actually will go dormant when it gets into the 80s and 90s later in the summer. Warm season grasses, which are more common down south, they don't even get geared up until we have 80 to 90 to 5 degree Fahrenheit weather. There's other properties that are very different between these grasses. The warm season grasses, they tend to have less fluctuations in sugars. They actually don't have any fructans. They're very fibery hays, meaning they have much higher structural fibers. So hay has two different, or grass hay, I'm going to use that interchangeably right now, have two different types of fibers. It has the non-structural carbohydrates, NSC. And then there's structural carbs. So structural carbs are going to be the fibers that contribute to the architecture of the grass. And those are less detrimental to horses. They're very important. Horses need that non-digestible fiber to feed their bacteria. Think of it as a prebiotic, which would be food for the bacteria. Whereas the non-structural carbohydrates, those are starches that are much more easily digestible And not only do the bacteria ferment them rapidly, but the actual horse will recognize those carbs and have an insulin response to those. We're dealing mainly with cool season grasses. It's what we have here, and I think they tend to be a little more 
Ah, dangerous isn't the right word, but you have to be more careful with them. You see, cool season grasses are kind of like emotional eaters in people. When we're happy, we eat. When we're sad or stressed out, we eat. And cool season grasses, when they are stressed out from drought, overgrazing, extreme heat, they make sugars. If it's too cold, they make sugars. If they're allowed to get too mature, they make more sugar. So there's lots of situations that we can predict and avoid when that cool season grass in our pasture is going to have more sugars. And that's what we're avoiding. We're avoiding these non-structural carbohydrates, and we're specifically avoiding fructans. It's kind of a fun word to say, isn't it? Fructans, which is a storage sugar. So what makes spring, like this time of year right now, dangerous on these cool season pastures is we have these sunny days where there's quite a bit of photosynthesis, but cool nights. When it gets down below 40 overnight, the plant isn't able to keep growing. And so these starches get stuck up into the leafy part and not down into the root. Stuck is kind of a weird word. I'm sorry. I don't know how else to explain it. So we are at the highest risk right now. Once we start having warm days, warm nights, and we don't have these temperature fluctuations, the grass is able to do its normal metabolism, its normal photosynthesizing during the day, converting and storing during it, during night. If you do have an at-risk horse, now is not the time to get them acclimated to grass. You're probably going to want to wait until mid to late May, possibly into June, depending on what kind of spring we have. Other times that you would want to avoid your at-risk horse being out grazing these cool season pastures is when they've been overgrazed. And this is a double whammy in the fall. So everyone is really careful in the spring and they're thinking ahead and they know to go slowly and introduce their horse onto pasture. Where horse owners tend to get complacent is in the fall. And fall is absolutely our founder season in Minnesota. It is not the spring. And I think the reason is twofold. Most of us tend to overgraze our pasture. Our grass gets extremely short, like putting green short. Horses have these lips and teeth that they have an ability to graze grass shorter than any of the other domestic grazing species. So we have that, a stressed, overgrazed grass, in combination with these sunny days and these cool nights. And I feel like those sunny day cool nights can start in the middle of August already, and they can drag out through October. Where in the spring, that a period in Minnesota anyway, seems to be just really a matter of weeks. We go straight from winter right into summer nowadays. The other thing is, in these stress situations, and even in non-stress situations, the sugars tend to be in highest concentration in that first one to three inches of the grass coming out of the ground. And if you have horses, you know that's what they like. That's the tender part. You can have tall, beautiful grass 30 feet away, and they will just keep grazing the short grass. Horses are very selective grazers. And there are ways to force them to graze more evenly with pen set up and rotational grazing. But again, that's beyond the scope of this podcast. If you have a high-risk horse, I'd love to talk to you about what your options there are and how you can rotate, set up portable fences. I did it last fall. Every two days, we moved our portable fence and it worked great. 
The other thing is that sugar content in the blade of grass changes dramatically throughout the day. There tends to be less sugar in the early, early morning, and then as the day goes on into afternoon and evening, there's a tendency to be higher sugar levels. So if you have an at-risk horse or you are acclimating your horse, you're going to want to start off with early morning turnout and then pull them off pasture by late morning or noon. If it is a cold, gloomy day, you're actually much safer. If the sun is not shining, you're not going to have those high sugar levels from photosynthesis. You can have your horse be out more. So if you do have a high-risk horse and there's some gloomy, cruddy weather, that might be a good time to start acclimating your horse to grass. But we don't control the weather. So um, if we do have beautiful, sunshiny days, and wouldn't that be awesome, and you want to get your horse out on the pasture, here's a few more tips. For one, consider a grazing muzzle. A well-fitted commercial grazing muzzle is going to slow consumption down by 50%. So that would definitely be an option if you don't have a dry lot or if you have a horse with separation anxiety that you can't separate while the rest of your horses go out to pasture. Secondly, and this goes for all horses, whether they're at risk or not, or is feed free choice hay prior to turnout. I mean load their bellies up. If you're going to turn them out the next morning, your plan's to get up and get them out on pasture by 6 a.m., 10 o'clock at night, give them twice as much dry hay as you know they're going to eat. Let them splurge. Let them eat it all. That way, when they go out onto pasture, they're not going to be starving hungry. My third suggestion would be get your ruler out. Yes, I'm not kidding. Get your ruler out and go out to the pasture and do not turn your horse out if that grass is less than four inches. The ideal grass height, cool season grass height for turnout would be six to eight inches. Once you get something even more mature and it's going to seed out, which is quite a bit later, you're looking at eight to 10 inches and we're going to have higher sugar levels in that. So your sweet spot is six to eight inches. Now, if you have warm season grasses, none of this really applies. Now, if you have planted your pasture, it's not a native pasture, it hasn't been a standing pasture there for many years, but you've used like an improved pasture mix and they've included warm season grasses in there to extend your grazing season, that's actually going to work to your advantage because we tend to see less carbohydrate issues, less fluctuations in those from day to day and from different times during the day with your warm season grasses. So that is an option if you have space and you have resources that replanting a pasture with warm season grasses for your at-risk horse, go for it. I don't know anyone who's done it, but in theory, that would be an excellent option. And I can't remember what tip I'm on. Number four, number five is fertilize. I know this is counterintuitive because you're thinking, wow, if I fertilize my pasture, it's going to be lusher and grow more but it's actually the opposite. Um, They do grow more. They are more lush, but they're less stressed. Remember the emotional eating analogy? When your cool season grasses are stressed, they're going to have higher sugar content. So a fertilized pasture is a less stressed pasture. The last tip, and this is the obvious one, is slow introduction. And everybody does this a little different. If I had a high-risk horse you better believe I'd be doing the whole 15 minutes a day over two to three weeks. And I wouldn't start that until probably well into May. If you don't have high-risk horses, 
this is what I like to do, and this is what I do with my own animals. Starting right now in the middle of April, and probably for the last week, we're hand grazing our horses. So we'll put them out of their dry lot, brush them, and let them just eat grass in our lawn. They get that about 15-20 minutes a couple times a week. And we do that for about two weeks. Now when it gets time to actually turn them out, and I usually don't turn them out until the second or third week in May because I overgraze in the fall, (laughs) and so I really want to give my grass a chance to grow or catch up in the spring. I also like to turn them out on grass when it's dry, and we tend to have mud still in May. But I will turn them out. I'll, I'll feed their bellies with hay. I'll turn them out on like a Friday afternoon for about three hours, four hours, bring them back, fill their hay with belly. Saturday, I will turn them out again for half a day after they're full of hay, let them graze for four, five, six hours. Sunday, I bring them back to the dry lot. Sunday, I turn them back out on that pasture and they are there for the whole day. I will bring them back in Sunday night, feed them hay, and then Monday morning before I go to work, I turn them out and they are out for good. Now, I will still sometimes offer hay for my horses in the spring. The reason is that young, tender grass doesn't have a lot of actual structural fiber in it, and horses need fiber. That's the prebiotic I was talking about sooner. And it seems like after a couple days of that tender grass, they're actually craving dry hay. So I'll bring out a couple of flakes of dry hay and let them pick at it. I've been doing that system for years, and um, it's kind of a happy medium between just turning them out and between 15 minutes every day for weeks on end. And it works really well for me. One system that I really, really disagree with, and a lot of people do, is they turn their horses out to pasture as early as they can. And they say, well, the horses will get used to eating the grass as the grass grows up. And that is just the worst thing you can do because that fresh, tender grass is going to be our highest sugar content grass. So I really think you're better off waiting into May to turn your horses out. Now I'm probably going to rebroadcast or do a update to this podcast in the fall because I think how you pull and when you pull your high-risk horses off pasture in the fall is so much more important than how you put them on in the spring. Ideally, what I would do would be sometime in late July, early August, when the underground buds are forming in your pasture, I would pull my horses off, put them in a dry lot, feed them hay, and make sure that there's a good four inches of growth. That's a budding period, and that actually determines next year's growth patterns in your pasture. So if you have a graze down to a putting green on the 1st of August, regardless of environmental conditions, you're going to have less of a yield in your pasture. So I could go on about that, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say, pull your horses off for a couple weeks. Let that grass grow up again, especially if we have some nice rains in August and start getting some cool days. When we get some cooler days, those cool season grasses are going to come out of dormancy and start growing again. Now, if they're short and at high risk and we have cool nights and sunny days, we're right back to where we started with high sugar content and a danger for your horses. 
But if you let them grow up to that six to eight inches and let that grass catch up, you can turn your horses back out to graze in September and October and be much less of a risk. Now, if you have a high-risk horse, you may just want to pull them off and keep them off through the fall, especially when we have some 70-degree days and 30-degree nights. So in closing, I'd like to thank Sarah for suggesting this topic. It is very timely. Sarah, if you're listening, I have very specific recommendations for you and your horse, and maybe we should consider doing some testing on him this spring. Anyone else who suspects that their horse has some chronic condition, they suspect Cushing's, they suspect hypothyroidism, perhaps equine metabolic syndrome, maybe they've had some kind of chronic low-grade sore feet, we should probably take a look at your horse take some radiographs to see if there is a history of founder. I have been surprised and shocked. I was just surprised this week radiographing a horse that I thought was going to be low on the heels and need to be wedged up. We took the x-rays and I was just blown away. That horse was totally rotated. So the x-rays don't lie. X-rays and a little bit of blood work, if you suspect your horse is any problem, goes a long way into coming up with a treatment plan to keep them comfortable and happy Um, long into their senior years. If you have constructive criticism, comments, concerns, anything that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at examroomrambles at gmail.com or the Marshall Animal Clinic during regular business hours, 507-537-1537 or our website, marshallanimalclinic.com. Thank you. And our regular episode will drop on Thursday and you're going to be so excited because it's on anal glands. So stay tuned in for that.